Welcome to another episode of the Third Round Picks Podcast. Today, the whole crew is once again back at it uh, with Adam Bibbs, uh, a.k.a. at Bibbs Corner, Mike Bibbins with me, and also at Mass Draft, Richard Saban with me. How y'all doing today? Surviving the allergy season. That's uh, good. Yeah, I'd say the same. <laughs> yeah, the allergies, they ain't hit me yet, but I'm, I'm waiting on it. They'll hit me soon enough. Uh, of course, I'm also Max Levy. Uh, at Mexicals on Twitter. But without further ado, big time news that we must discuss very briefly on this podcast. Poor Jonte Porter, once again, re-tearing his ACL in a practice. That's just tragic. And it could potentially hold him out of like the first round with if it's if teams are really worried about his health at this point. He's so young, he's already torn his ACL twice. I mean, I, I, I halfway feel sorry for him because... You know, he was benefiting from his absence. Like, people were having him top five, top ten on their boards. Um, I'm curious if – I don't know if it, he's, it's been announced yet or not. I doubt it has. But uh, I would be surprised – I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to try to just sit out another year and at least be able to perform in the the pre-draft stuff to, to increase his stock. Yes, for sure. And, Richard, anything to add before we move on? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what Bib said. Um, my my big adjustment for the board was uh, that I moved Jonte down right to that. I had him at twenty before. I wasn't really high on his game, but just double tearing your ACL is just—it's a brutal, brutal recovery. Um, definitely, even if you don't rely on athleticism, it's going to hurt because you still need to move at an NBA speed. Um, I, I agree with Bibbs though. Sitting out another season really might benefit him. Uh, I don't know if he's already hired an agent or not. That would, you know, play a big part of that. But, yeah, he would definitely be smart, I think, to sit out another season. He doesn't need to play in college or anything. It's just all about getting healthy for the workouts, like Bibbs said. All right. And with that, we got NCAA tournament action. Uh, Having gone through both the first and second rounds so far, we got about 10 or so guys we want to discuss with you all. But in addition, we also will discuss some future matchups. So why don't we get right into it with top of the list. None other than Murray State's racer extraordinaire, Ja Morant Bibbs. I think I want you to go first in this one because, I don't know, we haven't talked about Ja in a long time. And you, you said you wanted to take another look at Ja before you ranked Kobe White as your best point guard. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not ready to have that part of the discussion yet. But uh, I think Ja did himself many favors uh, with his performance in the tournament. Um, people wanted to see him against Florida State before they overblew his triple-double, although I don't, I'm not sure how you do that. 17 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, uh, seven turnovers, which you can't ignore. Uh, and then he was uh, two for three, two for two from three. Uh, so it was good to see him knock down the shots. Um, I think people that haven't watched him actually play were surprised at his vision uh, with the 16 assists and setting the table for guys. Uh, the turnovers, again, when you have a guy that sees the floor as well as he does, it's, it's the same thing with Luka. When they see things, they try to execute passes that maybe they shouldn't, most people wouldn't, and that's just something that they'll have to grow out of over time, you'll have to hope for um, people compare him to John Wall often, and if you recall, John Wall often had problems with turnovers early in his career. Uh, I used to make the jokes about him pursuing the quadruple-double, 
And uh, I think Giles is going to have a similar trajectory uh, at the next level. Um, definitely, definitely should be a top three pick. I don't even care who's at the top. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, like, John Morant, for me, my thing with him was always, if he had, like, because, like, John Wall, at least later in his career, got the reputation of being a relatively decent defender, if not better. And at this point in time, you can't really say that about John Moran, especially not with his, like, relatively thin frame, uh, like, 6'3"-ish. So, but all in all, he had a very fine performance. And even the seven turnovers, I mean, that's still, like, more than two assists to turnovers, which for a guy that had 16 assists, I mean, I'll take it. And, I mean... Marquette was probably one of the most ideal matchups for John Morant to play in the first round. He just got to abuse their their defense because they didn't seem to know how to attack him at all. They constantly sent doubles at him, and it made life really easy for him. Florida State just – they didn't even really shut him, John Morant down from a scoring perspective, but they really shut off any other options. And also, they just did a great job of abusing Murray State defensively which John Morant does play a key role in getting abused defensively. So uh, he had his, fair, his share of up and downs, to say the least. But the fact that he still put up a relatively decent performance against NBA length shows that he, at least his stock should be holding ground. My thing with, uh, with Morant is uh, I, I think all of us know how good he is. Anyone who's been involved in the draft process knows how good he's been. There's really – this isn't news to us. Like, this is just another game, in my opinion. Like, the people I was watching the game with at my office, they were all just, they're like, who is this guy? You know, for the casual fan, this is a wake-up call. Because, let's be real, how many of them have watched Murray State maybe before the um, Ohio Valley Conference Tournament, you know? It wasn't a very common thing. So, for a lot of people, it's a wake-up call. I don't think this actually had any impact on his draft status. Um, if it did, I'd be really ashamed of some of these GMs for seeing the number two for the first time. Um, but yeah, I don't really think this game had any, I don't think either game really had any impact on his draft uh, just because we've seen it just like that all year, you know? Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing is, this isn't the first time Jaws had a share of hype already this year. Like, uh, after the Auburn and Alabama games and coming around January ish, he was he had a little hype train going, but nothing like what's going after the Marquette game, where people were trying to make the argument that Josh should go first overall, which is laughable. <laughs> so I mean, and I'm and I think it's safe to say that any team's going to pick Zion at number one unless they have the guts to try to trade for like Anthony Davis or something. Yeah, and and like you said. The number one talk is pretty silly. I think that comes from a lot of people seeing him for the first time. I don't think there's anyone who's watched him for more than two games that actually thinks he should be over Zion. In fact, I don't think you've watched Zion and you've watched every other player even for 30 seconds that you can really think that anyone is above Zion in this draft class. It's just it's not a discussion. Uh, if you say, you know, that Jai is better, you're you're wrong. Uh, there's really no way around that one. So, and by the way, I, no, 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 there's no discussion. You don't go with, you don't go with fit unless you're like picking eight or lower. <laughs> Zion is a good fit for any team in the NBA. I was going to say, the, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Phoenix needs a point guard, but every team also needs one of the greatest athletes to ever play the game. Why so, would you draft a point guard when you can just sign like Darren Collison 
and just draft Zion. <laughs> like I'll say, you draft Zion, yeah, you offer cool. a team with Booker and Zion on it, and some point guard's gonna want to throw them the ball. I'm yeah. messing around, but anyway, we gotta move on to the next sure. name in the list. So sure. we got yes, we got the other Ohio Valley Conference man, uh, Belmont Bruin Dylan Windler, my guy, put up like 35. 37? Yeah. 30, 35 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists against Maryland. He was on fire. I, I, I cannot for the life of me until like two hours ago find a game of Belmont and Maryland on the internet because I missed it live because I was at school. Unfortunately, but though. I did watch the highlights and stuff. He was hitting step back threes, pull up threes, and just yeah, generally so- showing the game we already knew we had plus a little extra. 7 for 14 from 3, 11 for 23. Uh, he needed that game because he only had five points against Temple. Um, but as was what, one of his most impressive things is just the way he rebounds. He had 14 rebounds against Temple, tried to impact the game any way he could. Uh, and then he had 11 points against or 11 rebounds against Maryland, a team with Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. So uh, his just his energy level, his effort level on the glass is, is going to be important for him to – because you can't just be a shooter in the NBA anymore. You have to be able to do something else. He's like a shooter plus. He's like a shooter and like off, like kind of an off-ball score at the same time. And he can still attack closeouts and stuff. He's not like unathletic. He's not supremely athletic either. But I think he might hit that threshold of being enough, like athletically. And he hits, he checks a lot of enough boxes, even defensively, where sometimes he just seems like he's taking plays off. Um. But I think he's that kind of guy where he's so capable at, at, at like, things that you really need. And then he also has this extra shooting ability, which is kind of special. And that really vaults him up there uh, higher than, like, where he's been put previously. And I think he deserves a real look, especially now that he's shown out against Maryland, one of the top teams in the country with Bruno Fernando, Jalen Smith, and just a lot of length. Yeah, right. and- and, and kind of like you said, where he checks all the boxes, he's a really weird uh, prospect in that, like, yeah, he's he's going to be a shooter. That's his primary role. But he can kind of do everything, like, to a passable amount. He's not ever going to blow you away with anything other than shooting. But he'll be able to make some good reads every once in a while. Make Like you said, make some good defensive plays, uh, get some steals in there, you know, grab a lot of boards. Like, I think he averaged 10 rebounds a game at Belmont. Granted, uh, Ohio Valley Conference isn't exactly – you know, the strongest with that. So I don't expect something like that to translate, but he's going to get a good amount of stuff going in limited minutes. I think that's right. kind of his role is that he'll, he'll get you shots, but he's not going to be a negative. He's one of those guys where nothing shows up on the stat sheet. I feel like for him in the NBA. Exactly. So that, and that's why I think like his showing that his rebounds translated against two uh, te- bigger teams than what he would have normally played against. Um, not, again, not saying he's going to average 10 rebounds a game in the NBA, but just the fact that he's able to pursue those boards the way he did against bigger athletes was probably big for him, to, to, besides, obviously, going 7-14 from three. Yeah, and I think, in addition, it's worth asking this question because I don't know if you've been noticing, but Cam Johnson has been getting a hell of a lot of steam lately, and I think... It's at least a worthy question to ask whether you'd take Cam Jensen, Cam Cam Johnson, or uh, Dylan Windler, and is it close to you? Ooh wee! I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I was gonna say in in my last little spiel, 
that a lot of people I, I've said this about like four different prospects, but the upside that people see in Cameron Johnson, I don't see it as much. I think he is strictly a shooter in the NBA, nothing else. Uh, I can't say the same about Dylan Windler. I think what people expect out of Johnson is what you, the reality is of Windler. So, I mean, I no question I take Windler over Johnson. Yeah, and also, think, yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to note some past performances about rebounding. Dylan Windler versus Western Kentucky featuring none other than Charles Bassey, 11 boards. Uh, yeah. Dylan Windler versus UCLA, that's uh, Moses Brown and, <laughs> and Chris Wilkes, 15 boards. So I mean, it's not like we've seen. This is this is like he's done it again, time and time again, like so yeah. many times. So it's, it's not about it's not like a effort. thing. Yeah, it's an effort. It's effort. It's not a fluke at all. Um, and that's why again, I go with Richard. I, I would probably take Dylan over Cameron because I also don't see him as more than a shooter. He can't really do anything putting the ball on the ground. He's pretty good in the open floor, but I mean, that's not something I'm gonna be super blown away by uh, from a guy with his length. So uh, give me Dylan any day because he's going to do those little things that help make a difference on the scoreboard. Yeah. I mean, the, th- the only thing is Cam Johnson might be such is kind of is a bit bigger and he's such a good shooter that if you really or if you're a team that needs that square, that exact peg in that in that hole, he's like you can make that argument. But otherwise, I just don't see why you would have Cam Johnson over Dylan Windler either. Like I was saying, second. If I'm saying second round for Johnson, I'd put like Windler like even earlier in the second round than that. So, but still a long way to go, and I suspect Cam Johnson will end up going first. Also, just final note: eleven boards for Dylan Windler versus um, Matt Harms and uh, Purdue as well. So this is like consistent performances against even some of the top teams in the country. Right. And uh, should we transition there into the guy he played against in that uh, second game? Indeed. None other than Bruno Fernando. I'm feeling Bruno Fernando a little bit of late, <laughs> to be honest. But okay. not a whole lot. Not like lottery or anything, but like a little bit lower than there. Like 20, a little bit above 20, maybe 20-ish. Okay. Do you see the uh, – I mean, what – What's his role? Like, who do you see him? Who do you compare him to based on what you've seen in the NBA? Like, what's what's his fit? I, I've thought about it a little bit. And you think of the – he's like, what, 6'11", 7 foot. I'm not sure about the wingspan. Do we have that available? He's like 6'10", 6'11", but I think he has pretty long arms. If I'm Yeah, not his mistaken. arms look like they're at least 7'4". I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised. And so I guess the question is, what, what percentage of Andre Drummond – and because I mean, he's all, Andre Drummond was also one of those like physical outliers, pretty athletic, mobile. He wasn't like slow as hell. Like he was, despite carrying a lot of weight, he was able to move around the court like capably. From what I right. remember, I could be wrong, so just call BS on me, please. But like, obviously, um, Drummond was like one of the best prospects, like in his draft. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he got picked like top ten. I don't know. Okay, again, I'm pretty sure he was a lottery guy. Again, call BS on me. But 
Um, so overall, I just I see a lot of similarities, but obviously I, I think Bruno is not as dominant of a player, and he's not like the scorer, and he's shown the elements, though, of the passing of Drummond that we've seen coming on later into the NBA, and he's actually a capable free-throw shooter, unlike Drummond, so you won't have that nightmare. And he's also kind of shown of late his ability to expand out to the mid-range and even a couple three-pointers from time to time. So I'm feeling the Bruno uh, energy a little bit. Right, and I, I'm think he's one of those guys that coming back to school helped him. Um, last year, he would have just been like you would have drafted him because of his physical profile and what you think he could be. This year, he came back and he showed that he can be a big time rebounder. He can give you the easy baskets underneath and block a few shots. Um, and then, like you said, he started showing that he can maybe step out a little bit and hit a jump shot. So he's not a complete liability on the other end. So um, I think he could easily go in that mid mid first round to anywhere through the end of the first round and find a nice home. And on top of that, he plays with decent physicality on defense and, and uses like decent amount of time, proper verticality principles as well. So it's not like he's always just chasing blocks, but there's definitely still times he's still young and all that. So, I mean, he's still a player that has to develop. Right. I think somewhere between uh, a closer comp for me, just physically because he's not, I don't think he's seven feet. I'll go uh, Montrez Harrell with a little bit less dog. Montrez Harrell is like six nine at tallest, if not six I mean, eight. Bruno's like six ten. He's like six eleven. Uh, maybe, maybe he looks shorter than he is if he's six eleven. Or maybe it's the high, t- the flat top that's got you confused. And he's like he's got to be at least six foot ten and a half. Let's put it that way. I uh, I'm a big fan of Fernando. Last year, I thought he could have gone first round. I know he went back to school like almost immediately after working out with the Nets, who had the 28th pick. Um, so I guess they didn't give him a first round promise, which is why he didn't come back. Uh, but I think he's got the first round talent, no question. Uh, I don't think, like, I, I thought he was a first rounder last year. So he's one of the very few exceptions to the benefit uh, from coming back. But I've, I've liked his mid range game. It's even better from last year. He shot some of it last year and then he took more this year. Uh, my biggest complaint with him is just kind of like, what does he do? Because he's a really good pick and roll player, and he can post up. He's got you know the he's got the vision out of the paint, out of the post, uh, and he's got the mid range shot, and he has the frame. But really, what does that add up to in the NBA? And I can't figure it out. Like he could be over Sean Holmes, maybe is my my gut instinct. But I just have a hard time kind of envisioning where he is in the NBA as a role. Is he a starter? Is he a role player? You know, like, what does he do? Derek right. Favors? That was where I was going to go. I could say like, that. Yeah, because that's like, like, you see a lot of size similarities. And Derek Favors also has like a seven foot five wingspan, which is kind of underrated about him. And he was one of the best shop blockers in the league for a short period of time. Yeah. yeah and, and, I, oh, go so on. That's that old school power forward type that's not really starting in the league right now but it's very valuable off the bench well and what's fa- what favors has done i don't remember if he's been taking a bunch of threes uh lately but i know for a little bit he was taking that corner three just one a game like just to keep him honest a little bit and that's really all you need and fernando has the edge on that yeah and i think fernando is he's the type of guy that the teams are gonna try to run him at center and they should he's capable enough and he like they might want him to be even bigger, 
but I think he's mobile enough that it's it's worth a shot to try to run him at center and just see what he can do in certain matchups for sure. Um, because in this NBA, he's almost certainly a center if he makes it to like a starting level because you don't want him at the four. And then unless you have like a Chris Tapps Porzingis or something playing five, which even then I would almost rather play Chris Tapps at four in that situation. <laughs> right, right. But I think overall, I think we can all agree that he didn't hurt himself by coming back, and he did what he was supposed to do in the tournament. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a look or late teens, if not earlier. Right. If teams aren't as high on some of the wings or guards. Um, way I move on though. So, how about we just do his teammate Jalen Smith while we're on the topic of Maryland? Let's do it. Um. Jalen Smith showing him out, showing out on the boards again, putting in a lot more effort than he has before. So it, it, I guess he gets motivated by big games, which helps. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you wanted to be motivated every game. Like you got to be greedy. Yeah, it looked like a completely different player to me in the tournament. Uh, yeah, seven, he, seventeen points, ten boards, three blocks a game. He had five blocks in the LSU game. Yeah, I mean that the matchups really helped him out with that. He because Bruno had to take some time with Nazarene, right. so Jalen Smith didn't have to get abused <laughs> on post ups every single possession. Which, by the way, when he did get matched up on Nazarene, Nazarene did take advantage a few times. Oh yeah, so, he's still small. Yeah, he's he's like what six nine. Yeah, he's pretty slight though. Like his, his yeah, he's just th- he's thin. He's thin sticks. He's not Tariq Owens thin sticks, but he's thin sticks. <laughs> but I think he has a pretty good room to fill out, and that's why I like him personally. Big fan of those shoulders. Oh yeah, you, you see the you see it there. You see the body. He's gonna, he's gonna fill out. Uh, I think he's six ten, about two fifteen right now. Yeah. The question is, at a certain point, is do you want him to fill out and play five, or do you want him to like fill out slightly and then still play four with his mobility? Because he's pretty mobile right now. Yeah. And if he gains some more handling ability, you could run him as like this face up four from in certain lineups, even if he never gained the jump shot, which looks like it's progressing nicely. Yeah, that's what I want is for him to just be stronger so he can, you know, take abuse when he drives and get to the rim to get to, to the foul line. And I'd still want him to be my four, uh, like a weak side shot blocker type. I wouldn't want him banging bodies with anybody. Yeah, you have to gain a lot of weight. And I'm not sure if you, it, it seems like if you add him. That much weight, it almost lose all the benefit. Uh, yeah, Jalen Smith, Richard. I'm not too high on Jalen Smith. Uh, my only strength as of right now is his rebounding. Uh, just because I don't see any real fundamental uh, skill from him or anything like that. Really bad awareness. His motor is just all over the place. That doesn't really give me much reason to be confident in him. And then combine it with his jump shot. It's just all the misses are disgusting. It's either, you know very far back iron uh short it's very he's a very raw player i just i don't think i see the upside in him i'm i'm not seeing it i'm not buying if you had you know the buy or sell option right now i'd easily sell on him but i think he'll come back for another year he'd be really smart too uh just because i don't think his stock is high at all even if he doesn't really get better if his motor is an improvement like that alone would get him in draftable territory i think yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just want to say, like, the jumper, you like, the fact that he's even willing to take them in itself is just nice to see, like, because some players are afraid to shoot, and whenever you're a big man especially, like, that comes along 
So at least he's not afraid, and that's something in itself. So yeah, he's got to come back. I don't want to draft him this year if I'm a team like pretty much at all. Even if at like the late 50s, you could almost make an argument before, but I feel like even Jalen Smith wouldn't even want to sign the contract at that point. So what's the bother? Right. I think he can follow in Bruno's footsteps, come back next year, prove it, improve it. And um, I think team, he got he at least got people's attention, I think, with how he played in the tournament. And he may even probably declare, come out, you know, test the waters. And I wouldn't be surprised if some GMs tell him they want to see him do it for the stretch of the season, not just on the big stage when he knows the cameras are watching him. Well, I mean, yeah, he is worth noting he's on SEC, so he's going to get a lot of national TV games, but still. And also, Mark Turgeon has got to, like, instill some fight in him somehow, so we'll see if he can do that, or whoever on their coaching staff can somehow instill some fight, or whoever in his life, honestly. And if Bruno leaves, then maybe he's going to be forced into that that role. Yeah, but Maryland's all of a sudden risen to one of these schools that can start getting recruits, so you never know what they're going to do. So All right. with that said, should we move to uh, a, a much taller gentleman? Or indeed, a much taller gentleman, none other than seven foot six with an eight foot four wingspan. Ten Tackle. Five standing reach. Uh, yes, ten five standing reach does not need to jump at all to lay the ball <laughs> in the basket. Taco fall, or is it taco? Taco fall. We're gonna go with taco because it's more fun. I mean, I'll start. Um, I've I. Personally, I had never watched him because I just accepted that he wasn't a prospect. I was pleasantly surprised at how mobile he is. Um, still very raw, not as strong as I would want to see a guy that big. Uh, with the ball, I mean, like he, he was getting stripped and guys were taking rebounds from him. Um, still had 13 points, 18 rebounds, and five blocks in the first game. And then against Duke, 15, 6, and three blocks. Um, I feel like there's a good bit to work with. I'm... I'm after what I've seen, I wouldn't be mad at taking a, a late second-round pick to, to secure him to see what we can do with him. And I'm not – by we, I don't mean the Mavs, by the way. Yeah, God, no. That's too much personal development when I already have Chris Tats Porzingis, so we got to be on 24-7 injury watch with him. So, um, Sorry, Richard, I want to let you get in early on this one because we've been – I keep making you go last, and that's dumb of me. You're good. Um, I'm not huge on uh, Taco Fall. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, I really can't. I'm sorry. I can't say this without any puns. I'm not big on him. I, I just I don't think his I don't think the height thing is as big as it was 20 years ago. Like, you know, I, I can't say some of these names but like George Merson. Um, a lot of those guys, I don't think they'd even play in today's NBA just because they're not mobile, you know, and and uh, I, I think the lack of mobility is going to hurt Taco Fall big time from ever being an NBA player. Like, I, I feel like if he's drafted, he's a Sodom City pick. But the thing is, he actually is mobile. I just, I, I don't I'm think he's going to beat guards down the floor. I, I just, I don't think it's going to work at the NBA. I just, I'm standing by that. I don't think he's mobile enough. Like, defensively in the half court, I don't think it's going to work. Gotcha, See, gotcha. and that's where I'm at, all right? Because I looked at his clips from the Duke game, trying to get excited about him. <laughs> and not because I was like, I want to just become a Taco Fall fan, right? No. But I looked at the clips, and what I saw was basically, te- like, half of the pick and rolls he ran, teams didn't even bother trying to cover him because they were just, like, like Duke wasn't bothering because they knew they couldn't do anything about it. But at the <laughs> NBA level, you're going to have, like, seven foot two monsters with seven foot eight wingspans who can do stuff about that. 
and right. especially athletic enough. Like Jaron Jackson's gonna block tackle fall. Yeah. Like, and like and another thing worth mentioning too is the mobility is a real issue in terms of yes, open it's similar to Bamba, right? Bamba can open floor because he's so long, can run the floor. But then you get into trying to cover um that area outside the paint where he's having to like cover like ten feet. And it's tough for him because he's having to slide his feet and he just can't make it happen. So you mean uh, to tell me that Steph Curry is not Trey Jones? Uh, no, Steph Curry is not Trey Jones. My goodness. So he can't just stay back 30 feet and well, expect I'm not, him not to shoot it. I'm being I funny. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not just saying that game, though, but like he just <laughs> generally he seems very he- like it wasn't the only it wasn't just against Duke like you. I've I haven't seen no he doesn't like coming out of the paint area he doesn't like coming out of the paint area at all and that's gonna be a problem so I mean he's not and I'm sorry but he does not have the instinctive shot block timing of Manu Bull or anything no he doesn't he just kind of stands there with his hands up and like hey my hands are above the rim already shoot over me and I has he made (laughs) five three pointers in a game yet with Charles Barkley laughing on the bench (laughs) no he is not that's what I'm saying like his hands are bad. Yeah, his uh, hands look bad too. Like they, I mean, he catches I see the ball. drop balls. He catches no, he the can ball he can the, catch the ball, the, but like, he can't keep the ball. Like when people throw it to him, he'll like softly catch it. But other than that, like rebounds, he's like tapping the ball all over the place. I, I personally, I, I like if I had if I had multiple picks or if I had a good team, I would either use that last ten of the second round pick on him or be on the phone with his agent like right after the draft to see if I can get him on my G League team. To, again, he's, there's too much body there to not try to see what you can make out of it. If Sansom Singh can get drafted, then Taco Fall can get drafted. I, my last note about Taco, he was plus 15 in the Duke game. That's all I'm saying, plus 15. Yes, he was. he's a great college player. There's no doubt about this. <laughs> that was that's fun. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll I'm sorry. All right, should we move to a guy who definitely has the, an NBA career ahead of him? Indeed, my guy Matisse Thibel. Oh, Thibel, Thibel, Thibel. I love you so much. <laughs> was that a Thibel thing? Or is that what you were doing? Thibel, Thibel, Thibel. All right. Throwing out the southern accent a little bit. I'll allow it. Let Richard have the first. <laughs> yeah, Richard, I want you to go Google for Gago for Thibel for a minute if you like him at all. If not, just go anyway. Uh, please let the Mavs somehow luck into getting him in the second round. Yes. Uh, Trade yeah, up he, into the first first round uh, with whatever. I've said it before. Uh, he's the best defender in the class, regardless of position. Um like he'll automatically, I think his floor is being like an Andre Roberson type. He's going to be a defensive specialist at worst. I think he can grow in other areas, like his jump shot. He just has zero confidence, and he can kind of create. Um, yeah, I think that that does that sum it up for you. Well, I mean, we've broken down his game, but the point was just seeing him show out in the NCAA tournament was awesome. <laughs> and all these fools that seriously picked Utah State, and I love Nemius Kata, right? But come on. It's Thibel. You cannot, t- you cannot break the magic of the Thibel, Thibel, Thibel. Oh my God, I'm not even, I'm not touching that. The French artist, okay, Matisse. <laughs> he was named after an artist, and his game is like art with the amount of steals he gets, the amount of deflections he gets. He's like a freaking NFL cornerback. 
He had nine with, steals in the two games. Not to mention how many deflections and how many blocks. Like, yeah, five five blocks and like one of them I can't. Who did they play in the second game? That would be uh, UNC. Okay, somebody who was it that somebody drove. I think he had a block on like Kobe White. That was great. No, it was somebody else that had like a layup. I thought, and he just came from behind them and took the ball like out yeah of he's like a chase down block type of guy he can do it and that's gonna be awesome yeah he's he's a guy that you put on the court and if he decides to score any points cool but otherwise he's gonna be a pest on the other side of the court rick no carlisle point. your zone defense needs to be put back into the system and never getting rid of because thibble 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 will make it all go round okay uh, do you think he? Do you think he's? I mean, I know you said you'd move into the first round. Do you think he, uh, guy teams are going to be looking at him in that that late first round? If they're a contending team looking for defense, I'd imagine. Okay. Like, yeah, imagine him on the Warriors. You talk about a team that like some people consider the defense. Well, guess what? You just got your Andre Godala replacement nope. right there. No, you know he's not Iggy. He's not Iggy. He's not Iggy, but he can play defense, and that's all they need. Let's not speak this into existence. I don't think Richard White wants to hear that. <laughs> I'll take it out, but I had to say it, okay? No, keep it in. Um, no, that was good. I was, I was kidding. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I, I'll even go back to uh, – you mentioned he has lost confidence in his shot. I don't think his form looks broken. And he actually did, like, I, I think I mentioned it on the previous podcast, you know, he shot 40% from three on the same amount of attempts the year that, uh, uh, what's his name, Markel Fultz was his point guard. So I, I'd be curious, I would not be surprised to see him find his form and at least hit a decent clip from three on whatever team he goes to. All right. And then even, like, guys like Marcus Smart are now all of a sudden shooting 35% from three. So, I mean... I'd be willing. I'd take the bet on his shot development. So, but okay. hold on. Uh, moving on to the Mississippi State Weatherspoon brother, older man, <laughs> Quindary Weatherspoon. I'm gonna let the positive man go first, while I sit on the sidelines and try to mediate the <laughs> mini beef we have going on. So, so first Bibbs, of all, yeah, yeah, this one's all you, Bibbs. This one's all you. <laughs> First of all, I want to thank uh, these two gentlemen for allowing me to to force Quindary onto the podcast. Um, I don't know. Just last year, I went to scout his little brother, and I just felt like he was the one that was doing everything that was impressive. Uh, got the got a great physical profile, very smooth guy. Uh, I was very high on Jeremy Lamb coming out of the draft, and this could be another Jeremy Lamb situation for me, um, but I'm willing to go there. He's just silky smooth on the floor. He, he plays with a high motor. Uh, in the tournament, his team did not show up at all. He ended up personally ended up with 27 points on 6 for 12, um, 13 for 16 from the line because he gets to the basket at will and he's strong at the rim. Um, I would, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to get drafted. I can't say that, but I would be surprised if teams aren't on the phone to him immediately after the draft to try to either secure him with a two-way or at least get him into camp to see if he's he's worth a, a shot. Um, he just looks the part to me. Uh, I'm, I'm really high on Quindary, and I'm pulling for him. All right. Um, Richard, why don't you go on as the against? <laughs> I'm sorry? 
I was making a joke because you were you were saying you weren't as big of a fan of Weatherspoon. Oh, you want me to talk about Weatherspoon? I mean, just briefly, yeah. Just go uh, on I mean, your. I mean, I I just think he's kind of a chucker, and uh, I don't. I think his skill set's really replaceable. I don't. I don't think he does anything that's really high level at the NBA. Like, I don't think he gets his shot off as easily. I just there's a lot of it. I think he's just a really good college player. Good summer league, really good summer league target. But I, uh, I, I don't really think he'll be more than 14th, 15th guy in the NBA at the best. I think it's kind of a ceiling. All right. So I'm going to say three names and then we're going to move on. Okay. Quindary Weatherspoon, Jalen Noel, or Trayvon Blewett. And how would you rank these three guys? Like, not like, not like this matters, but just like relatively. Because like Trayvon Blewett kind of came into the summer league and was the summer league hot scorer. He got a contract. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen Trayvon in a while, and I haven't seen enough of Jalen to give a true uh, feeling about him. Um, with that said, I'm probably going to take Quindary just on the mystery of what he, what he might look like on an NBA offense. Repeat that list again for our listeners. Okay. Quindary Weatherspoon, Trayvon Blewett, or Jalen Noel? I mean, personally, I go with Noel. Um, I think he's, he's like a prospect for me. I, I really just don't have Quindary as a prospect. It's harsh, but I that's really how I have it. Um, Lewitt, I'm kind of the same way. I think he's a really good college player. And really, you can't make – I'm sorry. You cannot be in professional sports with the last name Blewett. Wasn't there a kicker on Nevada <laughs> with the last name Blewett, and he literally blew it against Boise State? Like, I'm 99 Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, it was like 10 years ago. But, like, for that, I'm out on Trayvon Blewett. Uh, but I think he will be – he's a good college player. Just don't see a pro upside. I think Jalen Noel, given the fact that he's the youngest of all of them, and that his game, uh, I think his game has the most chance of translating. I still don't have him in my top 60. Um, but yeah, I would go with Noel. In all honesty, the youth is the main thing that gives Noel the edge, probably. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, with that, we got to move on to our three fathers. So why don't we move on to three-point extraordinaire, Fletcher McGee? <sighs> oh, Ooh, Fletcher. I'll go. I'll go. go. Have at it. So my thing with Fletcher was I tweeted a couple weeks ago saying, like, how is this guy not, you know, how could he not have the shot at the NBA? Yeah, he had a couple bad games against the biggest two opponents, but whatever. Um, I kind of overlooked that. And then just this game was absolutely brutal. He couldn't get a shot off cleanly. He couldn't get it to go in. Uh, so that made it, I think, God, what was he, like 3 of 27, somewhere in that ballpark in the three games against major opponents. Uh, so for that, he, he was by one guy, I think, who I think he really seriously hurt his stock. He, he had the chance to prove those two games were flukes, and he didn't. I think it was kind of more towards the norm. So for me, he was my biggest follower the whole tournament so far. I don't think anyone can have a bigger fall than him. Not even Taco Fall. I'll see myself <laughs> out the <bye. laughs> You know, that, that was quality. I'm not even going to lie. That was great. Um, so, you know, first game against Seton Hall, I thought he was okay. He was 7 for 12 from 3. Um, I didn't like the looks he was getting. I felt like he was like shooting with his back still to the basket because he was so covered. Um, but uh, he he was okay in that first game. Like I didn't think he lost any 
his any stock in that first one. Second game, 0 for 12 from three, 4 for 17 total. Just couldn't get loose. His shot, again, was looked, the, the, the attempts looked even worse. They were falling away. Uh, what's his name? Marco Bellinelli-type shots. And uh, so then you if you're a shooter, you have to, in my opinion, do something else, too. What's his something else? I don't know what it is. So I think he, he really lost a lot of money in that second game there. Yeah, I mean, I just like I was like thinking about it. Like he was after about three or four shots in of the film, I did get to see on him versus Kentucky. Uh, I kept thinking to myself, you're just you're cold, man. Do something else. You are you are somehow still in a game with one of the best teams in the country, and you're still chucking. There's a problem here. You gotta change the. You gotta change it around. Look at what Dylan Windler did to keep. To help keep to help bring his team over the edge versus right. both Belmont and almost Maryland before some circumstances that almost weren't even his fault happened. So and then like obviously McGee's not like six seven six eight, but you can still do more than what he was doing. Right, you would have liked to see him, you know, pump fake and get fouled or something, but no, he was catch the ball, throw it up, and hope. I mean, he was missing close, but that's that's not basketball. That's not NBA talent. Pass, like just pass the ball. Even like try to pass your teammates. Yeah, set set your teammates up. He had draw no the defense because you were such you had the reputation of being such a good shooter that someone might chase after you. Someone might be open. Look for the pass. Try to exactly. make something happen. It, you have a thirty second shot clock in college basketball for crying out loud. You'll have time. Right. He had zero assists, I believe. How many turnovers, by the way? <laughs> uh, he had three turnovers in the Seton Hall game. I didn't check the second game. I just think uh, it's at least one, right? Like I feel like I if, he's on Wofford. Let's let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. Let's, yeah, let's get we'll the number. Uh, Fletcher McGee. Oh, he had one assist. I'm sorry. In the second game, he actually did not have any turnovers. But it's hard to turn the ball over when you're just shooting it every time. Your you turnover it. is 12 missed shots. Right. <laughs> no, actually, no. Don't don't shortchange him. He had 13 total missed shots. Just 12 of them were threes. Yes, 12 missed deep shots, long shots, long rebounds classic saying that not even necessarily true but i'm going to say it anyway but moving on to another faller tragically not necessarily because we are emotionally attached or anything but just because you never want to see a prospect lugan Stort or lugens i don't know lugan Stort, cannonball messy driver lugan Stort, who didn't have the best time again in the second in the first round at all and he was still sorry go ahead I was going to say, he was all right in the first four. And then he, it all fell apart in the second game. Yeah, for sure. 21 points against uh, St. John's on 6 for 11, 8 for 9 from the line. Um, he did have four turnovers, but, you know, he was doing what he does, which is getting to the hole, getting fouled, and making his free throws. Um, second game, 4 for 12, 1 for 7 from 3. Uh, was not playing his game at all because Buffalo was playing much better defense. And the questions all came back. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing: is that you you should almost be expected to put up a good scoring line versus St. John's. They're not like their best defender at this point is not. It's not. It's not even Tariq Owens anymore. And Tariq Owens was one was like a really good center, and now he's at Texas Tech. So now, what does St. John's really have to defend? I was gonna get say their best defender is playing for Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah. So like. 
if he put up 20 points against St. John's, I'm not going to, it's not, it shouldn't affect your stock on him at all. And honestly, I almost asked, why didn't you put up 30? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did what he was supposed to do against St. John's. Like, you couldn't take anything away from him. Oh, no. I'm just, I just asked the question anyway, because otherwise, if you do score 30, I might say, hmm, maybe I'll put you up like exactly one spot out of 100 or something. But yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for him, and he's just crashed down boards. Like there were times this year where he was in like the early, like the late twenties, and now he's like, is he in the top forty five? Realistically, I wasn't really a fan personally. So, <laughs> uh, Richard, anything to add? I <clears throat> I wasn't big on his games. You guys kind of summed it up. He did what he was supposed to do against St. John's, but against Buffalo. It was just a whole different story. Um, I, I feel like they have a really, really good tendency in Buffalo to stop star players in the state of Arizona. Um, but I, I didn't really see anything different, I want to say, because he's not a good finisher at the rim all year. That's been the story. Um, he didn't really – I don't think his draft stop fell or rose I, one way or the other. I think kind of just stood still. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue that it fell, but regardless, it was I was never really high on him in the first place, so it's all relative. Um, moving on to the final name in our list. Uh, poor Taylor Horn and Tucker, just absolutely ho- pretty horrendous night. <laughs> Shall I drop the, the line on you? Drop the line. Two points, one rebound. Uh, two steals, uh, one for six from the field, 0 for three from three. He only played 15 minutes. He was so bad, he couldn't even stay on the court. Put the fouls in there, too, for me. I'm sorry, he had two fouls. Because it's worth <laughs> noting, it's not like he got in, like, four foul foul trouble. No, not at all. <laughs> it, I, but he, he had such a garbage night. And it, he took, like, two or three three-pointers. And you're only taking six shots, and you're tailing Horton Tucker. I'm going to be asking, what the heck? And I personally wasn't a fan prior, but uh, yeah, still kind of sucks to see a guy that people are high on not show up. Yeah, and like I, I actually want to speak on that really quick, right? Because this is the this is like the one point where I'm ever going to disagree with Jackson Hoy to a high level, and like seriously, like this is like like I can't believe I'm almost shocked at this. Je- like it's not as like like oh I have beef with you but like fourth, Taylor Horton Tucker, fourth. Wait, like four overall. Like, like fourth. Like not fourth. Like freshman like fourth. No 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 fourth. Fourth. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a that's, hard pass. That's that's a tough one. I can't like, like even, even, even as the guy who put Elia Kobo and Kyrie Thomas in his top four last year. That's that's tough. Well, I mean. Kyrie Thomas is worse, but hey, hey, five year projection, five year. Taylor Horn might have a better five year projection with his athleticism, size, and youth, but that's another argument. His body is weird, so so okay, fair (laughs) enough. But I mean, I'm not even sure if it's reconcilable to put him in the top ten or like in even lottery. Like I, I'm like even like would I pick him above Bruno Fernando? No, like I don't think so. Would I pick him in the first round of like twenty five? I guess if I'm if I'm a team that 
is that has another pick late in the first round, and I'm not a team looking content. Because if I'm one of those teams if looking, my content, team drafts them, I'm pissed. Unless you're the Warriors, because then you're the Warriors, and you're like, who the hell cares? I'm about to say, unless your team is already a top three or four or five team, then you don't care about your draft picks. I don't, you don't think care. I'm, Sorry, go ahead. I don't think I'm pissed if I take Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, outside, of, if it's in the top twenty, I'm angry. But in a year like this, where it's just overall weak, I think you can take some chances in the twenties and thirties, especially if you're a team like Golden State or Philadelphia. Even I mean, they could use him. I'm trying to think some other teams that are in that range, but just those teams that would have nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, teams that really have nothing to lose. Like uh, I'm looking at the the rankings. I'm like Portland totally could use a guy like him. That'd be great. Okay. No pressure, you know. But yeah, no one else in the top 20 absolutely not okay okay sorry i just want to ask this question because taylor horn tucker is so young that i probably would i think i might slash probably still take him over but we love this man so much taylor horn tucker or matisse thibel if you're like a middling playoff team like eight seed or maybe oh, like like five. a little what? Don't even, you don't even think about that one. That one's Thibel by mine. I, I know Thibel has a shot to stay in the league for a very long time. I'm not sure. Horton Tucker could disappear very quickly. I mean, yeah. I, the only argument would be if I got him into like some workouts. and But even then, I'm like, oh, I like Thibel's game so much. It's like so hard just because Horton Tucker is like not even 19, and he won't be 19 until November. <laughs> That's fair. Um, evaluating those young guys and stuff. And I mean, also, young guys. If there anybody's gonna have decision making problems, it's gonna be the ones that are like still eighteen. I mean, heck, you still have freaking Kira Lewis Jr., who is not who is not even draft eligible, is playing freshman starter minutes for Alabama. So you have so many young guys out here right now, and and Iowa State plays a lot of young guys. So I mean, they have some veterans, but it's they could probably use some more seasoning, especially. Like Horton Tucker, if he stayed in the in the in school and did like a Bruno Fernando thing, he was the type of guy that he could have a transformation and come out top like fifteen next year if he has a good if he has a good off season. Yeah, I'd like to see him tighten up that that upper body. Also, tighten up that jump shot and that decision making. He's got some things to tighten. Yes. Well, this has been another episode of the Third Round Picks, y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, next week we'll ha- we'll be looking at some more guys that have been eliminated and also discussing the final four and not the championship game. Sorry, not, not yet, but soon enough, we'll, we'll briefly discuss who we think will be in it and how we think that matchup might be going, but then we'll break it down further once it comes around. Um, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at max scouts and also work on lock draft and the also, you can find Bibbs uh, at Bibbs Corner for Maz and basketball things and, at, and Bibbs for all the things, including basketball on occasion. Uh, and you can find his work at Netflix Life, but not hidden remote anymore or still hidden remote? No, still hidden remote. That's why I'm doing my uh, Into the Badlands recaps right now and uh, some movie reviews coming up. Indeed. And then Richard, you can find at MazDraft and MazDraft.com. Of course, you know the OG with that. Um, that's all for y'all, and uh, hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Feedback is always appreciated today. Peace.